Well, amen. Amen. Thank you, Tanya, for that beautiful special. Thank you, Greg and Haley, for leading us, helping lead us in worship. And I'm afraid if I would say Simon's name, he would probably feel like I was trying to embarrass him. But uh, I appreciate you, young man, for up here and uh, playing the, I don't, I don't know if we call them the drums or if they're like a clavicle. I don't know if we have a different name for them because they're electronic, but I'm going to call them the drums. And so I appreciate you, young man, for being willing to come and being willing to play the drums for us. So thank you. Those that led us in worship and thank you young men for taking up the offering and what a great day it is that we get to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Well, I hope you have a Bible with you this morning and I want you to take it and turn with me to Exodus chapter 20. I hope every time when you come in, if you don't have a Bible when you come in, you uh, avail yourself of one of those that is there in the back. But Exodus chapter 20 is where we're going to be this morning and hopefully when you came in, you also got a bulletin. We put these back there so that you can get them, so you can get information about what is going on in the life of the church. And also, if you would like to take notes, there will be some notes on the back of that that you can use um, as we study God's Word this morning. And so it's kind of there to help you as an aid. And so I hope you got a bulletin. hope you have found your way there to Exodus chapter 20. Let me read for you some lyrics of a song. What we've been doing so far this morning is singing lyrics of a song. But let me just kind of read for you some lyrics of a song to kind of uh, enter into what I want us to look at this morning. And here is the lyrics. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I rush and rush until life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die. Even I'm in a hurry and don't know why. Oh, I hear a voice that says I'm running behind. I better pick up my pace. It's a, it's a race and there ain't no room for someone in second place. Some of you remember when Alabama came out with that song and it was such a popular song and it seems like if you get the lyrics of the song and you print them off, pretty much they sing the same chorus over and over and over again. But what they're trying to communicate is, is that life has a way of getting so busy. All we are, feel, we, we sometimes feel like all we're doing is just chasing our tail from one end to the other. And sometimes, I don't know about you, but sometimes for me, I find myself in a position where I feel like I'm so busy, I have no room or no time for anything else. And I want to submit to you this morning, and it's not the big idea, but what I want to submit to you this morning is that oftentimes our time and our busyness are more of matter of spiritual warfare than we recognize or understand. And so this morning, my big thought, my big aim this morning as we are going to get into Exodus chapter 20 and verse 8 is this. And it says there at the top of your notes, too many times, or too many, sorry, too many are too busy to enjoy two of the greatest gifts God has given to all of us. Now I realize you say that's a lot of twos and we're kind of a play on words there, but let me say it again. Too many are too busy to enjoy Two of the greatest gifts God has given to us all. And I'm just going to tell you up front, what are those two gifts? It is rest and remembrance. Rest and a time 
to remember because I am looking at a group of people right now that I can guarantee you to the nose that every single one of you go, I'm just so busy. I just got so much going on. I just don't know one time I'm going to have time to do that. I can just imagine me coming to you this morning and saying, I need 12 volunteers to leave this morning for South Texas to work on a mission project down there along the border. I can imagine the majority of you would say, I just don't have time, preacher. I I don't have time to do that. And many times God comes to us calls us to serve but the first response that we have is I don't have time God I don't have time to serve you I don't have time to help you I don't have time for this conversation I don't have time for this investment sometimes we think we do not have enough time and as we're going to see here this morning hopefully together in the word is that God has given us a time not just to rest but also to remember We've been looking at these foundations. A lot of times historically we call them the Ten Commandments. But we've been looking at these foundations that God has given His people. He has given His church as means to say, this is what you build your faith upon. This is what you build your life upon. This is how you govern your day-to-day activities is these particular foundations that God has put in our lives to say, this is how you are to operate. So we've been looking at the first three foundations having to do with the holiness of God having to do with you shall have no other gods you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain and you shall not create idols and then this morning we're going to come to this fourth foundation and this is going to end the vertical ones that God talks about and then next week we're going to get into the horizontal ones that God talks about but I need to be honest with you for a moment this is the hardest of the ten for me Now you may look through that list and you may say, I don't struggle with this one, Spence. I just need to be honest with you. This is the hardest one of the ten for me. And even as I have spent time with this passage, with this text this week, God has just been working me over saying, you're not doing this and you should be doing that. So in no way do I want to stand before you this morning and you do think, well, Spence acts like he has it all together. No, Spence does not have it all together. And if you want to look at the list of the ten, this is the one that I struggle with the most. And this is kind of one of those Sundays that I want to say, well, I don't want to use this text. I want to hand that off to someone else because I don't want to stand in front of you and be a hypocrite or to be a liar or to misrepresent where my heart is at. So I am just here to tell you this morning, I struggle with this probably more than you struggle with this. But regardless of our struggles, it doesn't nullify the truthfulness of God's word. And it doesn't nullify the application of God's word. And it doesn't nullify the need for us to know what God's word says and how it applies to our daily lives. So let's look at Exodus chapter 20. I'm going to start in verse 8, read down through verse 11 if you will follow along in your copy of God's Word. But listen to what God continues to say to Moses and to the people of Israel and I believe by extension to you and I this morning. He says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it Holy. May God add understanding and application to His Word 
this morning. When you think about the Ten Commandments, you think about these foundations that we have been working through. And if you come to this one this morning and you say, so what is the command? What is the expectation that God has given us? Well, you can really just succinctly look at what he says there in verse 8 in your Bible. There's just one sentence. And this kind of encapsulates this fourth commandment, if you will. But then, verses 9 through verse 11, you get the explanation of why it matters so much to God. So, the fourth commandment that you see there in the text is to remember the Sabbath day, comma, to keep it holy. So what I want to do this morning is I just want to break that sentence down as it breaks down in two different parts and just call us this morning to think how do we live this in our daily lives. So the first thing that God says to the people is to remember the Sabbath day. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes I think, well, why would God call us to remember the Sabbath day? Well, because God knows that you and I are prone to forget. You and I are prone to wander off. You and I are prone to do our own thing. And so God comes in and says, you need to continually remember the Sabbath day. Why does it matter so much, Spence, that we remember the Sabbath day? Well, I'm glad you asked that. And when you have a copy of God's Word in front of you, you can turn back to Genesis chapter 2. So I hope that you join me in Genesis chapter 2 because we're reminded in Genesis 2 and verse 1 through 3 why this day matters to God. Genesis 2 verse 1, it says this, Thus the heaven and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. Now if you know right there in your text, you'll understand that who is the one that is finishing the heavens and the earth? It is not you. It is not a construction company. It is not a scientist. This is not evolution. This is not some cosmic accident that took part millions and billions of years ago. Who is doing the finishing? Who is doing the creating? God Almighty is doing all of this. And so it opens up there in verse 1. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished and the host and all the host of them. But then notice verse 2. And on the seventh day God finished his work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. So I don't want you to miss this. God created a time of rest and reflection. Go on there in verse 3 and it says, So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. So this picture right here, the writer of Genesis gives us this picture of how God operated. God created a time and a time of rest and reflection and then God demonstrated his expectation. God said, I created the entire earth in six days. Everything that we know, he did in six days. And it could have been God's prerogative to say, okay, so the work week, the daily week is six days. That's it. All you got is six days. But God said, no, 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 no. It's important as a prescription and it is good and it is important as an example to my people that I'm going to show them that they have six days but then there's a second day or this seventh day, sorry, that is set aside. In other words, God prescribed a seventh day for our good. So he says, I want you to know that I'm going to set this day aside and this day out of the, all the seven, you have six days to work. You have six days to do the things in this life that you're responsible to do. But the seventh, the seventh day is for 
the Lord. In fact, it says that there so much back in Exodus 20 and verse 9. It says, six days shall you labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. And so God is coming into the life of the people and saying, remember, there is a special day. A day that I have created. A day that I have instituted. A day that I held apart and holy and I I rested on that day and so therefore I want you to remember that day and to rest on that day. Well this is where I struggle. Because I am so consumed with productivity and efficiency and I am so consumed with trying to multitask I'm one of those people that think that I can have a phone and a tablet and a computer and something going on in the background and I can keep track of all four and the reality is is that multitasking is a lie in fact the scientists will tell you that if you try to switch from one thing to another thing and back and forth it takes your brain so long to make the switch and make connection and get attention that you are actually wasting more time with trying to have more things going on at once And yet, Spence says, ha, I can multitask. I can watch the kids. I can do homework. I can study for a sermon. And I can listen to a sermon all at the same time because I can do that. And God is saying, no, you can't. You may think that you're doing it. You may be going through the motions, but you're not able to do that. Well, I struggle because I'm always worried about productivity. I'm always worried about efficiency. I'm always worried about I do not want to waste a moment. And God comes in in this text and says, remember, remember, God has set aside a day for you to rest and for you to remember. And why is it that you think that you're better than God? See, we get so busy in our daily lives. We get so busy in this rat race. And I think, like I told you, this is a spiritual battle issue because I think so often Satan puts so many things into our lives that we get too busy with distractions and and we get so busy with the things in our lives that these distractions are really hidden as busyness. And so so Satan comes in and says, I know if I'm going to get them to not pay attention to the things of God, I'm just going to make them too busy. I'm going to make them so busy that they have no time for me. They have no time for other people. They have no time for spiritual matters. I don't know about your life today, but I can just tell you there have been many times that I have thought I need to do that when God is saying, no, you don't. Sometimes we remind ourselves that there can also be something spiritually healthy about rest. There can be something spiritually healthy about taking time To consider what God has done for us. There can be something spiritually healthy about saying, I'm going to slow down so that I can focus on God. The problem is that many of us aren't wired like that. Uh, I struggle so many times with just slowing down and stopping. I came home yesterday evening about 5.30, 6 o'clock, and, and we've been going pretty hard. And I, I walk in the door, and, and one of my children looks at me and goes, Dad, can we just chill out this, this evening? Can we just not go this evening? Can, can we just sit at the house this evening? I said, are you tired? He said, yes, I'm tired. And I said, well, good. 
I'm doing my job as a father if you are tired. But you know, sometimes, even in the life of the parent, or even in the life as the adult, or even in the life as just the individual, you can get so caught up saying, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta do, I gotta go, I gotta go, I gotta go. People are looking at me. People are dependent upon me. I've got this I wanna do. I've got this responsibility. I get so much of this pressure that is put upon me that I forget that God said, I've given you a day. Six days to take care of your seventh day to take care of me. And I wonder this morning how many times we actually rest, how many times we actually take this time. See, we choose how to spend our time. So God comes in here in this text and he looks at his people and says, you've got seven days in in a week. Six days are your days. This seventh day is my day. It's not as if I am going to give you a prescription that you have to do this and this and this. Rather, I want you to observe my practice, to observe my demonstration, and I want you to take this seventh day and I want you to commit it to the Lord. He goes on there in verse 10 and he says, on it you shall not do any work or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. He is telling them, this is what I want you to do on this seventh day. I don't want you to do anything that normally constitutes the other six days of the week. Now the problem is, is that As history went on and as the Jewish traditions went on, they made this into a legalistic thing. So they had all of these rules. That if you were a Jew and you were traveling on the Sabbath, you could only walk so many steps. And if you went more than that prescribed steps, you were now working on the Sabbath and you were now violating the Sabbath. Or you could cook X amount of food, but you couldn't cook any more food than that. Or if your animals needed to be taken care of, you could or couldn't do certain things. And so they had all these restrictions trying to make it a legalistic means. And so they learned all the rules and said, well, I can do this, but I can't do that. And they turned this in as they do's and don'ts. But that's not God's intention. Because as long as you're resting, you're Resting because you know that God has given you the time. God has given you the opportunity. God has given you the ability to rest in Him. And part of this resting is then to remember, to remember what God has done for you. And if all I'm worried about is trying to keep the rules and trying to hit the points and trying to check the boxes, then I'm not really worried about trying to please God. And you know, there's things God has done in my life and there's things that God has done in your life that we cannot explain apart from His grace. There's nothing that we can explain apart from His mercy. And there's sometimes that we don't need to worry about trying to check a box for God, but we should need to say, is my heart God's? Is my heart committed to God. And so God comes in here and he says, I want you to remember the Sabbath day. Remember that I have set a day aside. Remember that I have given you a day to rest and remember what I have done for you. Remember that I have set apart a day. Put a day on the calendar that is to be devoted to me. Now there's a question that's come throughout the church ages within If the seventh day is the day that we're supposed to rest, then why are we gathered here on the first day? I didn't put very much of it in your notes because I don't plan on spending a lot of time on it, but we do need to ask about the elephant in the room. So which day is it? Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? You know, there's a religion today in the world today that believes that by us meeting here on Sunday, the seventh Adventist would teach that we are taking on the mark of the beast. 
Revelation 13, and you see there, and we'll get to it in most Sunday school class, but they talk about the mark of the beast and the number, and everybody wants to know, what's the mark? What's the mark? What's the mark? Is it the Luther line? Is it the Chandler line? Is it the OU sooner, boomer sooner? What's the mark of the beast? Just some ideas. Just some ideas. But they, they wonder, what's the mark of the beast? Well, the Seventh-day Adventists have come to teach that if you, if you gather to worship God on Sunday, that is the mark of the beast. Well, some people like me go, well, then how did we get from Saturday to Sunday? So are we wrong for being here on the first day of the week and instead of the seventh day of the week? Well, this is where we come in and we look at the Jewish histories. We look at uh, Josephus and we look at some other ones that down through history. And the way that they describe it is, is that what day of the week did Jesus rise from the dead on? He rose from the dead on the first day of the week. So as the Jews were gathering together to worship their Judaism, and yet as the new church was being birthed, as the new church was being formed, they would gather as a time of fellowship. They would gather as a time of of rest and remembrance on the first day of week to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus. And so as the Gentiles and the Greeks and the Jews that were returning to Christianity as they began to gather together, they would gather together to worship the Lord's day because this is the day the Lord has made. And we will rejoice and be glad in it. It's the day as we we sang about earlier that Greg let us in. When death was arrested and my life began. Did you catch those lyrics? That idea that when that grave was empty, when that tomb, that stone of the tomb was rolled away and our Savior came out of that tomb, that's when your death was arrested and your life began. And this happened on the first day of the week we know as Sunday. And that is why as New Testament believers, as a church that has gathered, that's why we gather together on Sunday. It's not because we're trying to be heretical. It's not because we are trying to go against Scripture. We recognize that God has set aside a day for His worship. And we say, we are going to use this day not only to worship God but also to worship an empty tomb so God says I want you to remember the Sabbath day but then he makes it even a little more a little more in your face for me he says there in verse 8 remember the Sabbath day but then there's a second part to that sentence remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy now, a lot of times when we think about holiness, we think about the essence of God. We think about the attributes of God. We think about the things that talk about God. We think about who God is. He is holy. He is other. He is righteous. He is magnificent. He is omnipotent. He is omniscient. He is omnipresent. He is all of these things, all of these attributes. So when God comes into his church and he says to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy, you might be with me and you may say, well, how am I supposed to make something holy when I am not Holy. Well, in the original Greek or the original Hebrew, if you go back and look at the original language, that word there being used as holy means to set something apart. Or even another definition that I love is to to remove it from common use. In other words, God is telling his people that this day you are to keep it set apart. It's removed from common use. There is to be a day in your week that is not like every other day day. People did it before Henry Ford or people did it before the Ford Motor Company but the Ford Motor Company back in the 1920s was credited with instituting the 40 hour work week. It was the Ford Motor Company that said we are going to start a five day work week, work eight hours a day and they realized that that would not only increase productivity in their workers but they also realized that they would increase the opportunity for the workers and the people to go spend money like on vehicles. 
And it was an amazing success. But it was only the 1920s when you really saw the advent of the 40-hour work week. Until that time, people were working at least six days a week for somewhere doing something. So God is not saying, well, you know, you only have to work 40 hours and that's it. God is saying, you've got six days to do with your time, your responsibilities, your endeavors, your vocation, your needs. But when it comes to the seventh day, the seventh day is mine. And I want you to remember that I am commanding you to keep it holy. So what does that look like for you to keep it holy? We could go around the room this morning and every single one of us would have a different perspective. We would all have a different idea of how it is that we keep it holy. But really, my question for us this morning is, are we keeping this day holy? Because see, this keeping is not accidental. It's not one of those things that you just wake up in the morning and you keep His day holy. In fact, you go down there in verse 11 there in Exodus 20 and he says, for in six days the Lord made the heaven and the earth and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. He expects you and I to keep this day holy. But, but, but preacher, I need more time. God's given you as much time as you need. The fact that you waste the time or that you misuse the time, or you misappropriate the time, that's not God's fault. That's not God's responsibility. You tell those kids in the morning time, I want you to clean your room today. Okay, I'll clean my room today. When time comes, they haven't touched their room, I want you to clean your room today. Okay, I'll clean my room today. Supper time comes, you tell them, I want you to clean your room today. Okay, I'll clean my room. Bedtime comes. Why haven't you cleaned your room? Well, I just haven't had time today. You've had all day long to clean your room. And you waited till the very last second. I don't think it's a matter that we are too busy. I think it's a matter that we're too distracted. Our priorities aren't where they're supposed to be. Our values aren't where they're supposed to be. We think that automatically we are just going to keep it holy because no one is to judge me on what it is that I am supposed to do. And I want to tell you this morning, friend, I want to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, that the keeping of the Lord's day is not accidental. And the keeping of the Lord's day is not God's responsibility. God has commanded you and I to set apart a day to remember the Sabbath day and to keep it holy. So what that means is, is that we will keep what we cherish. Yesterday as we were doing a work day here at the church and it was such a blessing to see so many of you come. Oh, we are so grateful for your help and to see the things that got taken care of and the things that we are looking forward to doing. But one of the things that was happening is we were cleaning out some closets. We were cleaning out some cupboards. And it was so fascinating to me because somebody is taking the things out of the cupboard or out of the closet. They're setting them out there and going, do we need this? Do we need that? And it's so, it's so fascinating because you have different personalities of people in this church. One personality of a person says, well, we might need that. We better hold on to it. When was the last time you saw it? Oh, it's been a couple years ago, but we might need that. And we're going to hold on to it. And then they have another personality that comes in and like, out, out. Throw it away, get rid of it. We haven't used it in at least 24 hours. And if we haven't used it in 24 hours, then get rid of it. I mean, you have those two opposite personalities. And you somebody go, well, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to make a decision. You decide what we're going to do with it. And so there was all of this coming through trying to decide what we're going to keep and what we're not going to keep. But the reality is, is what it comes down to is what we cherish. Sometimes we cherish more than we should. <laughs> Sometimes we cherish longer than we should. 
that we keep in our lives what we cherish. So we keep those pictures. We keep those letters. We keep those plaques. We keep those trophies. We keep those special things in our lives because that is what we cherish. And God is coming into our hearts this morning and saying, Do you cherish what I have given you? I have given you a day to rest. I have given you day a day to remember. I have given you a day where all you have to do is just to be at quiet and peace and to think about me. To think about my goodness, to think about my grace, to think about my mercy, to think about the things, the gifts that I've given you that you didn't deserve. A day that you get to come in here and to worship God. A day that you get to come and just say, I want to make much about my Savior. I have spent the last six weeks, or I have spent the last six days, sorry, working and struggling and striving and all of those things. When I get to come in here, all I have to do is worship my Savior. Oh, praise the Lord that He gives me a day apart from all the other days that I get to come to church. God knows we're going to keep what we cherish and we're also going to keep what we value. See, I feel like there's so many times a day that we don't value the Lord's day because we've lost sight of what the Lord's day is. It wasn't that many years ago that we had the blue laws. Some of you know what the blue laws are, some of you don't. The blue laws were there as kind of a... regulations upon a community to say this is what you can do on Sunday this is what you can't do on Sunday so once upon a time the blue laws were in place to say that these businesses are not allowed to be open if you think about it as far as the last thing I knew car dealerships were not allowed to sell cars on Sunday you can go shop you can go browse we can talk to you but even to my knowledge even today car dealerships liquor stores and other places are not even allowed to be officially open on Sundays because that is the remnants from the blue law you will find a lot of other businesses that are not open on Sundays because that is the rule. Once upon a time, you could come to church and the church was the only thing open on Sunday. Bez wasn't open. Ken's wasn't open. Jack's wasn't open. Con Cafe wasn't open. Nobody was open except for the church. Then as time has gone by, Those things have changed. And I wonder for us this morning if they changed for the better or if they changed for the more convenient. Could it be that they've changed because our values about the Lord's day has changed? God comes in and says, I want you to keep this day holy. Now notice, he doesn't give us thou shalt and thou shalt not about what that looks like. He does give us a prescription about our work and about our labor and about our duties and our vocations, but he doesn't come in and say you shall eat five ounces of meat and no more than five ounces. He doesn't come in and say you cannot go to work or, or, or I'm sorry, you can't go out to eat or you should go out to eat. He doesn't come out and give us some of these prescriptions, but he does say to keep it holy. And I think it would behoove us to ask ourselves, am I keeping this day holy? Because we keep what we prioritize. We keep, we cherish, we value the things that matter. So God comes into this text. He comes into our hearts and says, I have given you a day. Six days for your hobbies, for your responsibilities, for your families, 
for your priorities, your desires. I've given you those six days, but I have set this seventh day apart as a day of rest and a day of remembrance. A day for you to recover from your labors and for a day for you to reflect on your maker. But so often, we get in a season or a rhythm of life that this is just another day. And I wonder if that's not more telling about our foundation than we realize. So let's ask about the foundations in our lives today. First thing I ask you is, am I following God's plan for my life? God has created you. God has sent His Son to die for you. For many of us in this room this morning, God has saved you by grace, through faith, as a gift of you trusting in His Son to forgive you of your sins. For some of you, He has not done that yet because you haven't cried out in repentance and confession for Him to save you. But He has created you and He has a plan and a purpose for your life. Am I following God's plan for my life? You may need to say, well, I don't know what God's plan is for my life. Well, I would love to sit down and visit with you because I can walk you scripturally what God's plan is for your life. Faith, obedience, submission. Pursuing after the things of God. We can ask ourselves the question, am I following God's plan for my life? Because if the, 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 the apparent answer is no, then you're not going to care about the Lord's day. You're not going to care about the things that God is calling us to. Am I following God's plan for my life? The second question is, is am I trusting God with my time? Every single one of us gets 168 hours every single week. And some of us spend it playing on our phones. Some of us spend it texting. Some of us spend it in prayer. Some of us spend it in Bible reading. Some of us spend it in a thousand different ways. But God has given us the time. And for us to say, I have no time to worship God. I have no time for God. Is saying, well God, you haven't given me enough time. And God has given us everything we need. Maybe we haven't used the time that God desires for us to use it. Which comes to this last one. Am I keeping what God keeps? Am I keeping what God keeps? See, God didn't come in, give us a Sabbath day, give us a Lord's day, and say, all right, now you're supposed to do this, and he just checked out. God came in, he created this, he ordained this, he instituted this, and he said, I am going to observe it, and then I'm going to look at my people and say, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to follow. This is how I want you to live. This is how I want you to behave. God is keeping it, and he wants to know, am I keeping it? So now the question comes to you. Am I following God's plan for my life? Am I trusting God with my time? Am I keeping what God keeps? There's some blanks down there at the bottom of your bulletin. I haven't mentioned these in a while, but there's some blanks. So many times when it comes to things that God prioritizes, the things that God values, one of the things that God values and prioritizes is souls. There's three blanks down there that you may have missed over intentionally or by accident. Did you see three questions or three statements? I am praying for blank to be saved. I am praying for blank to repent. 
or I invited blank to church today. As we think about keeping the things that God keeps, as we think about the values that God values, I wonder what names are in your blanks this morning. Bow your heads with me.